mate, he's up to go eight, mate, walks into the meeting a local butcher that sells hot rolls, and the guy who just bust out the door, the butcher, the big shaky he's on, he's like, fucking hell, Gary Ford. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody was swinging through the trees and people go like, Gary! <laughs> Welcome back to the Glasgow podcast. A very short notice one tonight, but I'm absolutely buzzing. I've got Gary Falls with me tonight. Gary, how you doing, mate? I'm great, mate. I was going to, I was going to hold after no talk, just see the beer. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only two hours late to answer the phone call. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. We got there in the end. You're obviously a busy yeah, man. A, don't want to call you a celebrity because I know you don't like that term. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a celebrity, mate. She's a hang. Like, there's always like. See, every time I hold this, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm happy to get the bragging noise, but see my pals, mate, it's straight in the WhatsApp chat. Oh my <laughs> God, mate, you're a rat. The sun told you a celebrity. No, you're not. Like, so the amount of grief that I get caught when I get caught famous or a celebrity is no real. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even me trying to be humble. I'm just trying to prevent the boys in the group chat terrorising me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, honestly. I mean, looking at it, obviously you've you've been in the army, you're doing the comedy stuff, you've been truck driving, you're, you're doing your apprenticeship, you, you've done more more things than most people do in a lifetime. Um, that's it, I've got a catalogue of jobs. <laughs> aye, that's it. I mean, I suppose the, the thing for me that, that I'm kind of curious about, and some people might be aware, but for anybody listening that isn't, how, how did the comedy start for you? Where did that begin? So I, I started comedy just purely... Try to cut a long story short, but my dad had passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, and had kind of inherited social anxiety just because of not dealing with the grief. So a lot of mental health stuff. I'll talk about this, but mm-hmm. it, it was it was a coping mechanism. So as weird as it sounds, I, I, I had social anxiety, so I didn't leave the house for ages, and and I had to build myself back up to get back into society and, and rebuild my confidence. So when I started getting really really back to myself and confident again, I started to set myself new challenges. And one of them was public speaking. Now, I absolutely love stand-up comedy. Um, massive fan of Billy Kirkwood, the Scottish comedian. And I used to go to his shows. So I challenged myself to go and do a wee open mic gig. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called a gong show. So what happens is you get two minutes to say whatever you want. If the audience think you're shite, they go and you off. And, and uh, you've got your last five minutes to win it kind of thing. So I had went on and done about 26 seconds and they gong me off. <laughs> <laughs> so I was fucking horrendous. <laughs> um, but when, when they had gone me off, I, I went, fucking hell, all that fear. I didn't realise I was a shite. <laughs> and it got, it got a massive laugh. So they decided just to kind of keep it going. So they're like, no, no, we take the cards back, let them keep going. And uh, I did the win the gong, but I, I done, I managed to do the five minutes. Um, and I just spoke about, and so it's, I wrote a set, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't funny. So when they had let me they undone the cards again, I just spoke about how much I built myself up to get on this stage and how my day was going and people just loved it mm-hmm. and I think that's when I realised that my, my job in comedy wasn't to tell jokes because they were fucking terrible <laughs> my my career was going to be as a storyteller because mm-hmm. I just spoke about my day mate and people loved it you know what I mean mm-hmm. I was like I've done 15 shites before this gig and <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> for 17 panic attacks <laughs> like people just took to it and, I, and that's when I realised that my calling was going to be a storyteller and, and, and do you get that do you get that Fear before you get to a live audience, mate. Every gig, every Still, gig, yeah. I'm ripping a fear, mate. Oh, it's unreal. Um, that it's never changed for me, and I don't know what it is. People, are, oh, it's adrenaline. You're supposed to enjoy it. I'm like, enjoy it. See when I done the the armadillo, mm-hmm. that was my biggest gig I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. I done my solo show there, and three thousand people, mate, was just unbelievable, mate. Yeah. Three thousand, and I was talking to a reporter after it, 
and she was like, so how did you feel about the armadillo? And I was like, I'm going to be honest, Stacey, right? Last is at times. Mm-hmm. I says, I just can't believe 3,000 people find me funny. <laughs> that was the bigger shock than anything. But listen, when the countdown came on, it was like 10, 9. And the place had just started going nuts. And I was like, fucking hell. And I spewed up as I was coming on the stage. Oh, I kind of ran to a bin and, and spewed up. So it was like... At the hut zero, and they were all waiting for me. So it was like another 12 <laughs> seconds, and a bit of a second, my mouth was like, oh, you know what I mean? So I was just, but it's the fear never goes, and maybe that's the thing you enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. But once, once you get your first laugh, it all goes. That's what I was going to say. Think, when you're out on stage, me, does it disappear? It goes, mate. Once you, it's weird. It's a weird, weird feeling. Maybe because I've got anxiety as well, things are a bit more heightened. Mm-hmm. So. When I go on stage, mate, I'm like panic attack. I'm sweating. I can't breathe. My agent or, or my my wife, you know, she'll be standing outside the stage and she'll be like, "You're all right. You're all right. Get up, get me up." But as soon as I get a laugh, mate, everything goes. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It That's just completely crazy. goes, and I'm back to normal. Back to normal, Gary. As if I'm sitting in front of a live video in a water. <laughs> Bizarre, mate. It's mental. And that's the thing, I suppose. Obviously, from from your point of view as well. I know you're you're saying there like you you sold out the armadillo and most of your your dates you put out you do sell out and you've got I don't know I think you'd thirty odd thousand people on Instagram that that follow you and you've got Facebook as well and do do you still pinch yourself that you've got that many people watching you all the time and and commenting on your videos it's no and real, things? Mate. Honestly, mate, it's no real. It's it's weird because I just see myself as as normal and I'm not trying to play the whole humble kid here, mm-hmm. but. I don't see myself as a celebrity, so when somebody stops me in the street and they're like, oh, big man, I fucking love your videos and all that, like, you cheer me up. I still get the same feeling I did when that very first happened. See that pure shock, like, fucking hell, somebody recognised me. Like, I get Aye. that. I don't know if, like, big cel- real celebrities get that and they just kind of get on with it, but it's just, it's amazing. And I love speaking to people as well, mate. Seeing something's up to the street and they say, oh, your video cheered me up, or I listened to your video, because I talk a lot about mental health, which mm-hmm. you probably know. Mm-hmm. Somebody will say, oh, I got a lot for that video and it really helped, or it didn't help me worse kind of thing but yeah and you're quite obviously in your videos as well and I know you, you touched on it there you're, you're very honest and, and with you or even when you're posting things like that as well you probably share things that, that a lot of people in your position wouldn't share for, for fear of being judged but you're kind of balls out just no I'll, I'll tell it the way it is but do you that, do you feel better for that or is it just something inside you that's just you need to be honest with people all the time I spoke to a, I spoke to a comedian who's probably one of the biggest in Scotland, mm-hmm. and I was talking to him about it, and he was saying, "Oh, your posts are very different." And he was kind of saying it was good on you, mate. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to someone about him, and he, he sells all these gigs out, and he's like, "I get imposter syndrome," and I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And it's like as if you don't deserve it. Like you're saying, the thirty-five thousand Instagram followers and the Facebook followers, like I get that. I get pure imposter syndrome. So. I've always kept myself level for that reason because I've always got a vision that one day I'm just not going to have gigs. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to turn around and everybody to go, I oh, mean, you turned into a complete wank. You know Aye. what I mean? Like, so I've, I've always kind of just spoke as if it's my normal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you've got a page like that and you can reach so many people, there's got to be something good's got to come for it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an absolute crackpot. You know, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm no perfect. I'm no... I don't want to go on Facebook and social media and play myself as somebody that I'm not. Mm. Sit me a Rolex when I can't buy fucking pasta, you know what I mean? <laughs> you see a lot of that. A lot aye. of influencers are like, oh my God, look at my Bentley and it's like, no, it's hard that out for the day, mate, you know what I mean? Aye, aye. Um, and I think my, my kind of circle of friends and family, I don't think they would allow me to be any different. 
mm-hmm. think they were, I'm quite lucky in that sense. I've got a good family and kind of social network. Mm-hmm. I think my mates would say to me, listen, you've been a bit fucking fake. Don't you sort that out? I come from a good friend zone kind of thing. Aye, and I think that's probably what the people that follow you appreciate as well because I think it is that you you don't show that lifestyle of oh everything's fucking brilliant and as you said like that whole Instagram influencer of look at me doing all this you do put on when you're having a shit time and when things only gone brilliant and I love looking at when you put something like that on like folk get right behind you and, and can I see it going through the list of like posts that people give you and they they're offering you like encouragement or see when you were talking about the apprenticeship thing a while back and all the folk that were replying going, I get in touch with me. I'm like, that's that's brilliant. It's just that relationship you've got with your your fans. Mm-hmm. People want to help you, and it's, it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the guy that I'm working for, for James, I, I, I know he won't mind, but James had lost his daughter and stuff. So James had knew who I was before. Obviously, I knew who James was, the mm-hmm. guy that's employed me for the apprenticeship. Aye. And he had went through a hard time, and I think I don't know if I do a couple of years ago, and it was your, I was in the bottom, mate. I just had enough. It was like. Everybody was seen as a millionaire, like mm-hmm. everybody, and I think that's when I first started to feel the kind of effects of fame. Like I lost all my privacy, and, and I was in the bottom, and I just burst into tears, and I was like, I just can't fucking do this anymore. Like mm-hmm. I was genuinely struggling, and then obviously we set up the men's mental health group. So James was watching my page about then, mm-hmm. and he'd said to me when he gave me the job, he went, the first thing he says was, he went, I don't want you to share my business. I don't want you to talk about business online. This is a, a favour for a guy, yeah, a guy, like. This is genuine. You don't need the end for me. Just do your apprenticeship and do mm-hmm. it well. Um, but he had leaned into my page when he was struggling a wee bit, and, and it's just and obviously it's nice when people like I, I know a lot about James now, and mm-hmm. uh, and I know a lot of stuff that he's been through. But it's just there for me to say. But to, to think that I had that effect on him and anybody else is just phenomenal, mate. It's, it's not something that I thought one day I would do. I never thought I'd become a comedian or a celebrity or like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought I'd have been a drug dealer or something. Like, I didn't think, I, I thought that would have been the way I could have been successful in life. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's bizarre to think where I'm and every day, mate. You know, I could, and I say this all the time, if I died tomorrow, mate, I'd be happy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, other than leaving my wings, but uh, uh, the sense of achievement, mate, I'll, I'll probably never achieve things like this in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. See, see, with the, see with the comedy, was there, a, was there like a point for you where you kind of started to realise in your own head that this is this is something that's going to be big for me, or it's got potential to be big. Was there a kind of moment for you? Uh, I think when I done the, the very first live video, mm-hmm. it was a one I had done. Sorry, mate, I need for my PlayStation remote. I was playing College of Duty, mate. Thanks for vibrating on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Shut myself here, mate. I'm terrified of ghosts because Halloween. Um, when I done, I done the first live video in my taxi. I was I joined Pure Gym. Mm-hmm. To lose a bit of weight, and, and my wife is like, right, get to the gym. It was like six in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, I was secret eating, mate. So I was going to the gym, doing a workout, sending her a selfie with, with the gym clothes that she put on us to make sure that was gone because she's worried about my eating. So I was going to the gym, and then jumped across to McDonald's, mate, and getting a fucking double sausage muffin meal. <laughs> uh, so it was like <laughs> counteracting the gym. So I was just sitting, mate. I was just sick of everything. I was like, no, I can't guess that. And the live video thing had just came out, and, and, I, and I think I had like 2,000 followers. But every pure gym's got a McDonald's outside it. Like, you come out the gym, and the first thing you smell is a sausage McMuffin, like, <laughs> and it was just a pure rant, mate. There wasn't anything funny about it. I was just pissed off. Mm-hmm. Just a wee fat guy trying to do his best, and I just kind of get by McDonald's. Like, I've got to drive by it on the way in and drive by it on the way out. So I'd done the video, put my phone in the drawer, and I had like 13 likes or something. And, I, and for me, 13 likes was a lot, mate. Mm-hmm. It's ten percent of your page. That's how it works. 
fucking hell, that's brilliant. So pretty good box, done my shift, and uh, I came home. Then Ashley was stunned at the door, and she's like, have you been trying to phone you all night? What the fuck's right, you know that? And I'm like, oh no, I don't say so, I've been dying. And she's like, no, 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 it's good. Have you seen your Facebook? And I'm like, no, no, and she pulled out her phone, she showed me her phone, and it was like fucking 6,000 shares or something, you know what I mean, mate? And I was like, that's not right, man, what if I done that, I thought I'd been exposed or something, I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> Then pack your bags and move house, you know what I mean, like, I used to sell fiver bitches of you guys, you know what I mean, I've been exposed to a drug dealer back in the days, like, and, uh, and it wasn't me, mate, it was generally just that, that, that page, that, that video had went fucking viral, and I had went to work the next day, and every customer, mate, that got in my taxis, ah, big mad, you the wee fat guy, does he mad videos? And it was just, that was the moment, and it's never changed since then. There's nowhere I can go. We went to Cyprus, mate, and uh, I went to do a gig, obviously I was in the army, so mm-hmm. I went to do a gig for the soldiers, we laugh at loud comedy in mm-hmm. Paphos. And I was in Paphos, mate, I was sitting in a restaurant in the middle of fucking Cyprus, mate, just, and it was like the, where the Cypriots go. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a restaurant where the, the, the hotel people go, and it's like a proper restaurant with just all full of Cypriots. Right. And the wee guy came up and he's like, oh my God, I love your videos. <laughs> and he started r- rhyming off my videos and I'm sitting in fucking Cyprus like How the fuck does he know what I'm oh, saying? Because <laughs> I'm a proper fucking mental case. But, and it happened that when we, we went to go ape, me and Ashley one time, mm-hmm. and it was, I don't know what it's called, it's fucking, whatever go ape is that wee tune. Oh, Aberfoyle. Uh, Aberfoyle, mate, we're in Aberfoyle. And, and Ashley didn't like the whole fame thing, mate. Mm-hmm. She didn't bother with people. It was just like, when you're eating your dinner and somebody talks to me, mate, I'm I'm not going to no talk to somebody. Aye, if somebody comes aye. up to me and says, Daddy, they get my time, mate, because aye. they've probably shared the video. Probably bought a ticket, so mm-hmm. it's causing them arm with arm. So everybody gets my time, mate, regardless of what I'm doing. But yeah. Ashley didn't like it. She's like, can we just go somewhere for the day? And it was like the start of it, so it was, everybody was on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we're going to go wait. Fucking Aberfoyle. Nobody knows me in Aberfoyle. And uh, it was up to go wait, mate. Walks into the wee kind of local butchers that sells hot rolls. And the guy who just bust at the door, the butcher, the big steak in his horn, he's like, fucking hell, it's Gary Ford. Oh, man. <laughs> Every, I was swinging through the trees and people go like, Gary! <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking, I love it, mate. And people thought, it's, honestly, it doesn't affect me in any way. Um, I met Jim Davidson, mate, and he absolutely stubbed me one day and I was like, fucking prick. Oh, um, man. And what, the guy was like, you mate. I just passed his mate, just fucking digging his up your beach. <laughs> Then, uh, and I've always said since then, see if I ever, but that was when I just started comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd ever happen, but I was always like, if I ever become a celebrity, anybody talks to me, they'll get my time. So it's a pure standard that I hold to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it's I, hard for people running about you, though, if you're always going to have to drag yourself away. But it's, it's hard for I, it's hard for Ashley. The Wains love it. The Wains mm-hmm. don't get there, get happy, dead proud, you know what I mean? So, um, but I would never stop that. And Aye. it's a thing like, Ashley became used to it, and I, and I kind of. St- at the start, it was just pure, she wasn't going through it, mm-hmm. so it was very alien to Ashley, you know what I mean, Aye. but when I had sat there and said, listen, these people are genuinely putting fucking food on your table, like, if they want five minutes, they get five minutes, they want a night out, we'll just go to Spain, <laughs> and, uh, no Cyprus, because the guy knows us, Aye, exactly. <laughs> um, but and we became very used to it, and as a family, we just got used to it, and, and we did, everybody, when I sat there, they did, and something my older way into a bit arrogant sometimes. I'm like, listen, guys, like, you can't just fucking stop people like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's very important to give people the time of day. Mm-hmm. And, and now, mate, when I'm out of the veins, my oldest veins, like, somebody says hello. Have you last just go sit in the bottom, mate? She'll say hi, Anne, and, and I'll just talk to everybody. And it's a fucking nightmare for them that talks to me, so don't shut up. <laughs> but I suppose it's good as well, because you're you're accessible to people, and obviously if, if they do see you and 
sometimes it might just give you a shout or as a five minute conversation as you said earlier mm -hmm. that could make a massive difference to somebody that five That's minute it. conversation and it's, it's not about it's not about getting sales or, or anything like that it's mm -hmm. about that person could be having a shite day and they've met a celebrity. Do you know what I mean? And if, mm -hmm. if I go, oh, fuck off me, I'm with my family, they probably ruin their day and their week. Aye, aye. Um, but it, it doesn't cost anything, mate, to give somebody five minutes of your time. Like, no, totally agree with you there. Obviously, I know you'd, you'd said at the start that you, you used to watch Billy Kirkwood quite a lot. Was there, mm -hmm. was there comedians that kind of inspired you when you were coming through or people that you looked up to at that point? Billy Kirkwood, massively, mate. Mm -hmm. Billy Kirkwood was a massive influence. Um, Billy Kirkwood, Raymond Burns, Jenny Godley, like all the kind of solid kind of comics. Mm -hmm. um, but Raymond Burns and Billy, mate, being the biggest. But Raymond Burns, to this day, mate, and I don't understand why he's not doing arena tours, mate, because he's hands down funnier than, than any big comedian I know mm. and any big comedian I've ever seen. So I don't understand it, mate, because he's fucking frightening. Um, but I, Billy Cockwood took a lot of time for me and mm -hmm. gave me all the guidance that I needed. I got to support Billy. Um, at his Glasgow Comedy Festival show when I no long started when I was six seven months in and for me to be a fan of somebody and then six seven months down the line be supporting them at mm -hmm. their, their solo tour their solo show sorry at the stand I, that gave me a lot of confidence because like, maybe I'm better than I could thought I was Aye. Um, but I, the way I was as a comedian mate, if any comedians listen to this I just gig everywhere mate honestly like I love gigging mm -hmm. and I'm still the same to this day like my agent's kind of got a grip on me and, and he'll be like listen you can't be doing a 30 seater gig and fucking a pub and party. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He gets 20% of my money, so he doesn't want fucking £24 a week <laughs> um, for me doing a gig. But he's kind of got a hold of me now, but still a lot of times I'm about listening to it as a charity came on. Mm -hmm. Aye. Um, and I'll just guilt trip the fuck at him so I can do the gig. <laughs> what's, um, the, um, what's, the, what's the best and worst gigs you've done, like for the start to now? We'll go, we'll go with the worst best first. What's the, what's the worst one? The worst gig I've ever done. Uh, I got decked in Manchester. Um, if a guy outside the, the, the comedy store gave him a bit of cheek, right. and uh, it's, I said it was a King Gong show, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't last the Gong. The guy who tackled his mate and fucking the guy had a, a girlfriend to him, and right. she was an absolute supermodel. So the guy was a big animal, not a uh -huh. and and I had said something, you know, not eat salad or something, and the guy's like, salads in your dreams, mate, and I was obviously replied, mate. If I was going to do about anything, I'd be bagging your bird, and uh, it didn't go down too well, mate. So I came out the gig, mate, and the cunt just cracked us out of nowhere. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, so that was my worst gig. And I didn't even get by the five minutes, no point was trip, and I got cracked. Um, but, oh, there's been some mental gigs. That just, but my best gig, I would probably say, a free I would pick, I would pick that Amadillo, obviously, for, mm -hmm. for being my, my it's, it's like playing at Ibrox or Parky, whatever team would support for me. Um, but, I would say Inverness and Dundee. Dundee's room is one of the best rooms in, in theatres in Scotland right. that I've gigged in. It's only a 400-seater room, but the way it's laid out, it's just, uh, the acoustics me are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Still as loud as getting laughs after 3,000 people at Ramadillo. Wow. Um, and Inverness, mate. I did Inverness last year. I went up with Daz and, and my agent, Matt. Mm -hmm. We just had a pure boys weekend. Like, no boozing, just going, going on a dolphin tour and just doing pure stupid things. But I was in a pure good place, mate, because of that. We gigged in Aberdeen the night before. I had a great day with my pals and great food and then went down Inverness and smashed it out of the park mm -hmm. um, and didn't do one bit of material mate. My, my, my watch started buzzing at 60 minutes and I was like fuck I've not done any material <laughs> um, and it was just and it, it was a great gig mate you know what I mean just feeding off the audience and I'm like that sometimes mm -hmm. I've got a set but if I go on a gig and 
you probably seen the video with the wee guy in the fruit shoot, the guy yeah. the jail. <laughs> that done, that done brilliant, but that wee guy, mate, I must have tore into him for 20 minutes solid. We had to clip it all down and never tore into him and slagged him, mate. Just a, the guy was brilliant, mate, because he was dead honest. Aye. Um, and obviously a lot of stuff we did, he put on, like, talk about fucking holding a show pop a cucumber or something, <laughs> but, yeah, but it was just, gigs like that, mate, are just frightening, and it's not, not necessarily the room size, but mm-hmm. your best gigs, and I've realised that. I used to, obviously we're doing the Hydro, not next year, but the year after now. Yeah. Um, but that's just another gig, mate. It's, it's a great opportunity and great finances for it, but I don't treat it any different to how I treat a gig in Parkhead at 50 seats. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the same performance, mate, and you know what I mean? Aye, surely it must be a pinch yourself moment, but thinking in a, a year or two's time, you're, you're going to be walking out of the Hydro, like from, from where you kind of started to that comedy yeah, club and getting gonged after I 26 seconds. Look at it, mate. Honestly, see, seeing a drive by in the van, mate, I try my hardest not to look at the hydro. I just get racked with nerves, mate, and that's what happens. Um, same with Amadillo, mate. When I see Amadillo, mate, I'm ripping a fear. Um, but it's just one of, the, it's one of the things that I, I don't know if it means like that, so I don't really speak to many about certain gigs. Yeah. Um, but I've got a constant fear of gigging. But once I get to the stage, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And but is that always, done, does it matter on the, on the size of the crowd or you ju- do you just always have no, that mate, in you? It's the same, that's what I'm saying, it's the same level of fear. Mm-hmm. If I get to 13 people or 1,300 people, mate, I'm still fucking shite myself. <laughs> and it's, it's weird because you think like, oh, it's a wee gig at 100 seats, that's fucking easy. But it's no, mate. It's, uh, as I say, mate, I don't know if anybody else feels the same about that comedy, but um, it's a shite bag, I think. <laughs> and I know you a, that, that imposter syndrome, you always go out and you're like, what if I'm no funny? What if they just all look at us? Because there's been gigs when I done when I was an upcoming comedian. Mm-hmm. It's different because when you do a solo show, everybody's invested in you, mate, and they're there to see you. And, and I could walk on these stages and just fart in the mic and it'd be fucking some buzz. <laughs> but seeing you're doing comedy clubs, mate, and the audience are in your audience and, and you're no funny, you know what I mean? And you go into a stage and you're like, right, a fucking bunch of virgins, what's happening? And then 300 people just stare at you like, who's he calling a fucking virgin? <laughs> What do you do with that bit? See if you see if it's just silence. What's in your thought process at that point? Oh, I'm fucked. I'm dying here. I'm <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's probably going on Facebook and Google. I just see this guy Gary Falls. He was fucking shite. Like <laughs> they're going to phone my, my nana and name and shame is not. I mean, but it's uh, oh, there's a video. There's a video. That's the big thing. Like you're like some cunt's video. This gig man is going to go viral. <laughs> heavy shit. But <laughs> oh, wait, it's the worst thing ever. I probably died about five or six times out of 200 gigs, man, and it's the most brutal thing ever. And I don't care what any comedian says. Seeing you see somebody dying in your home, man, it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> just seeing somebody drowning, they ain't confidence, man. It's like, fuck. And it's always good when it's somebody hangs a better than us, and then they are. Seeing somebody fucking aye. smash us tonight, then they go out, don't get one laugh, and it's just fucking... The big grass ball going by the stage. <laughs> but surely that must be a right a passage for comedians to go. Through. You've got to go through that surely to get to the other side of it. I had died really, really badly in, in Aberdeen, I think it was, and mm-hmm. I maybe Raymond or Billy Cop, it was it Remy, mm-hmm. and I had proper died, mate. Like I was ashamed of myself. I was like, I need to quit calling. I need to fucking chuck this. And uh, and it's brutal, mate. Because seeing you gig somewhere like Aberdeen and you die in your home, mm-hmm. you've got a four-year drive back, mate. Because uh, comedians that have lost mashed it. I thought about how easy the crowd was, and you're sitting there like, oh, "Fuck it, on the easy for me." Like, <laughs> my mic must not be working. There's times when I've been doing a gig, mate, dying in my home, and I've tapped the mic to make sure it was on. <laughs> and somebody said to die, mate, it's definitely on. I'm just shouting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, so I came back. I came back in that car journey, mate. Obviously, everybody had smashed it, apart from me. I just 
didn't pick the right. See, the thing is, mate, it's never the audience. Mm-hmm. If somebody goes to a comedy club, mate, they're there to laugh. People don't go to comedy clubs, mate, to roll laugh. Aye. Unless they're fucking evil and they've obviously wee fat Scottish boys dying. Um, <laughs> but I had been up, everybody had smashed it and I just knew it. I had to ask a question because I'm very like that. I'm, I'm, like, I'll take criticism. I'm mm-hmm. no fucking, I'm no blind, you know what I mean? Aye. I just said in the car and I was like, listen, obviously I just died in my fucking hole and after the boys had laughed for a minute and a half solid, they, they <laughs> told me what I had done wrong. And, and Raymond, I think it was Raymond, Raymond or Billy, I can't remember, but one of them says to me, see when you die or you struggle on stage, that is the only time you learn. Because right as Raymond, when Aye. I was in that motor, I was straight in the rope pad, and I was like, that joke's going in the bin. That's going Aye. in the bin. Actually, fuck it, this joke bit's going in the bin. I'm starting again. <laughs> um, but it's true, that the gigs that you struggle and the gigs that you have a wee wave, that that's the gigs where you learn the most. You're having a great gig, like Inverness, like I didn't know anything. And my agent was like, what material did you just do there? And I'm like, I've not got a fucking clue. It was off the cuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So stuff like that, you don't realise, you don't remember the good gigs. You only remember the bad gigs and that's when you learn. Aye, for the experience, definitely. And probably the same as football. Aye. Football aye. players will be the same. A bad tackle and they'll be like, fuck, I should fucking put another two steps and then dug into him. Aye, and you've got 50,000 absolutely ripping you. <laughs> oh, your own fans! Imagine that. <laughs> Honestly, I always think about that. Like, it's funny because I always like the Celtic players. I'm an Angels fan, um, but it's like, like Lee Griffiths, like fucking guys are phenomenal player. And people just give him stick, and it's like fucking leave a guy a lead, man. Like he turns up and just <laughs> rips it, rips it apart, and scores goals, and then people still rip into him. And it's his own fans, and like he's no struggles, and you know what I mean. I don't, I don't know how football players cope with it. I'd love to get a chat with a football player and just ask him, like. Is a is a Sunday with anxiety like not nothing to do with comedy? They just say, "How the fuck do you cope with it? You're inside, fucking shout the ball at you." Aye, mental strength must be immense for somebody at that mm-hmm. level. It's crazy, and you can't win because if they you come mm-hmm. out and say something, you just get shot down for that as well. So you're you're in a no win. It's different because as a comedian, somebody shouts your shite, mate. I can turn around and give dogs at this. You know what I mean? Aye, aye. And have an absolute fucking heckle off with them and have a laugh and make it funny, but. I can't imagine fucking a football player turned around like, right, you, you fucking fat body bastard, you go shite. Oh, you'd be hounded. Like, oh, hounded. Crazy. Obviously, you were saying there, when you've, you've had day kind of gigs where it's, it's when tits up and you, you've had people speaking to you, is there any any bits of advice that you've had like in, in the times or even in general when you were starting that's kind of stuck with you like through to, to now? Always, always play the room. Mm-hmm. Was one of my big ones. Always, always try and not go in first. Watch what the other comedians are talking about, and that was a, a great tip. Can mm-hmm. um, I? I'll always go in the room first and look at the room, watch them all coming in. Like, I was in the army, so I kind of profile people a wee bit. Mm-hmm. So when people come into the room, I've been looking at their body language and how they're behaving. And what had that had done for me was I started to figure out, see what a stag night. I knew who the stag was. I was like, red shirt, stag night. And I would just go on stage. The stag nights just take your gigs, mate. And I'd go on stage and I'd be like, right, you're the red shirt, you're clearly a virgin, mate. Is it your stag night? And then just have a good laugh with them. And so we always play the room as a big one. Watch what other comedians are doing mm-hmm. and, and learn. Always stay back for the headliner. Like, I would still do that. Now. See, see if I was doing a gig now and as successful as I am in, in my in terms in Scotland. If, I, if I'd done a gig and somebody was headlining and, and I opened the show as a favour for the club, like, I would still stay back and watch the headliner because mm-hmm. you're, you're never you're never done learning. Yeah. Comedy always changes and and it, more so now. Like if you look at Jim Davidson, 
30 years ago, you was doing material that now you would get fucking shot for. Um, <laughs> so you, you need to change constantly. You need to constantly change and, and speak about what's right. You know what I mean? You can always be doing gay jokes or midget jokes because in, in these days, it's not, it's not right to be doing that kind of stuff. Like, these are people you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm think... proud of where we are. As yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm extremely proud of where we are and we can help people and people can come out and so, as a comedian, you've always got to be going with the people. You kind of just stick to your fucking nasty roots and, and uh, date for years. So, always be in the room, which is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing, as you said there, I think there's probably some comedians who who don't really move very times and, and they've mm-hmm. probably just lost so many people off the back of it because they, they still stick with that same routine that's maybe 10, and they're super 20 years. People, mate. Aye, they're, exactly. They're talented comedians in the fucking world. And they just can't change with the rest of the world, mate. And that's that's the sad bit because they just die out and burn away. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I I live with it every year. Like next year's two events, that's done. I'll see where I'm going, mate. Mm-hmm. I'm never comedy doesn't control me the way maybe his two years ago, mm-hmm. where it was like my life in breath. And now I'm kind of like I could walk away from this quite easily. Aye. Um, and just blend in with my family and be a normal guy. But I just take every year as it goes and. And I read, I read articles. That's a big thing that everybody finds funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a bam, you know what I mean. The arm, like people don't think I can read, which is funny. But I buy free newspapers every day, Aye. and and I read. I spend all day, and sometimes I'm feeling gamey. I buy four or five, <laughs> but I buy different newspapers and just read every day and read material and just absorb my mind. But it's different. I find it different reading a paper to look at an article on your phone. There's something about printed press that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, because I read articles and, and I read different, so I read like the Sun and, I, and I'll get the fucking the independent newspapers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the Daily Record, the Glasgow Times. I, I change my papers as much as I don't agree with somebody about what they're saying. It's still good to have a, a good idea of advice on what the next talk about. Yeah. Um, so when I do material, I try and make sure it's fitting for that for that part of society. It's not just fucking. Stupid jokes that Aye. people go, ah, mate, stop doing that 20 years ago, what you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good because I've got a wealth of knowledge when it's come to, like, topical material. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing a gig somewhere, I'd be like, oh, fucking hell, I've seen that guy. So if, doing a gig, if I was doing a gig in Bradford tonight, I'd be talking about the guy that got the jail for shagging 47 chickens, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, every time I see that news article pop up, I always think it's about chicken nuggets. So, <laughs> so you, you can, topical's great because people can relate to it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, COVID's going to be a big talk, talking point definitely. as well. Yeah, definitely. And do you obviously? I know you you're saying there about the papers. Now, where else do you where else do you kind of pull material from? Is it just everyday random stuff? The, I'm a storyteller, so day to day life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way my shows work is the first twenty minutes is the, the show. I do a sixty minute set, so the first twenty minutes will be getting to know the audience, talking to the front row. Um, if the, the front row is not playing game, then I'll, I'll crack out the topical material about that area. Or, or, I always have something about the area. Mm-hmm. But when I do a gig, mate, if I'm doing a gig in like Inverness or Dundee or Inver- wherever I'm, mate, I'll go and explore that day. I'll mm-hmm. work with the veins. And, the, and obviously me and Ashley had split up for a long time. Yeah, but we're, we're back together again. So the plan is next year to go and stay in hotels right. um, for the whole tour. So we'll go and explore the city and go to a museum. And So it means when I'm doing a gig, I've got a knowledge of the area. Mm-hmm. So I can so there's four hundred people for Fife in the room. I can talk about Fife for twenty minutes, maybe more. Aye. And then I go into my storytelling. So my storytelling is always how the year was before. So next year's show will be about this year. Everything that went and happened this year. Then the show after will be about next year. Can mm-hmm. I get me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always talking about the year before, and and I find being a storyteller is easy because 
my set changes all the time. The, the joke of the punchline never changes, but the build-up and the style changes as well because it's just out of my head. I'm just talking about it like as like I would talk to somebody in the street about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very easy to be a storyteller. Yeah. People, every comedian's got their different comedian's day puns, comedian's day jokes, character acts, and but obviously I found out quite quick that I was a good storyteller because I could just I can riff off. I could just pick up a menu, mate, feed it a menu, aye, and try and make it funny. And I've done that, done that a few gigs, mate. I put it in a mad fucking weird restaurant. And I've picked up their menu and I've started reading stuff out. And it's got a laugh, you know what I mean? Aye, aye, just different Shout things. Shout out about the fox couscous and fucking West End and all that. Did you know what couscous is? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stop making that word, you're fucking nasty. That's not a thing. It's, it's like, aye, mate, couscous, we've gone for hundreds of years, mate. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I, I enjoy being a storyteller. Aye. So my material's always life, but I do a lot of topical stuff um, at the start of the show. So I get a lot of for newspapers and just watching the band pots I work with as well, like the boys. That's what I was going to say. That if they don't get the feel that you're just going to use them for your, your shows or material at some they, point. They boys have no fear at all, mate. The only fear they've got is me and dying. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> I get absolutely tossed on a daily basis. Like, I don't even tell everybody half of the stuff. Um, they stuck. The fucking... It's just, they must, I don't know what it is, see, I love the boys to bits and, mm-hmm. and I get them back, mate, because I'm equal as evil, you know what I mean? Aye. But they they stuck fucking that big silver, like masking tape. Mm-hmm. I bet the other day, trying to put a wire through a ceiling and they stuck a big massive bit to my back. Obviously, I've got, I did have a hairy back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I had to go home, back to my ma, big fucking square of masking tape in my back. She's like, how the fuck do you mean that? I'm like, my half you know what I mean? So the terror's, the terror's endless, mate, it never stops. Do you enjoy that, but? I enjoy it, mate. It's banter, mate. Aye. I was in the army for, for eight years. Aye, you know what I mean? true. I'm used to it, but at the end of the day, mate, I looked a boy in the toilet for two years, so <laughs> um, I got my aim back, and I wasn't letting him out, mate. You had to get somebody to let him out. I wasn't going to... I had to left him out the next day, mate, easily. <laughs> but, mate, no remorse whatsoever, mate. Like, you could have died in that toilet, I wouldn't have gave a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm back at my mask getting fucking masking tape put up my back. <laughs> nah, exactly. You can get, like, a workies wax. Was it agony? Mean? Oh, mate, it was fucking horrible. <laughs> and my mum was doing it dead slow on it. I think she meant it, you know what I mean? But she's fucking... She's at the bam up all the time at all. <laughs> aye, so... Oh. Took her about three years to peel it off, but I was just screaming like a weird... Neighbours must have thought she was trying to kill us, mate. <laughs> um, and the other day, our boys lacked his mate. I had that wire and I grabbed the wire, mate, and it was fucking live. Nearly blew me through the room. Um, and I'm like, how would you do that for? He went, oh, I didn't think you would grab it. And I went, fucking hold you me a wire, mate. <laughs> Hold me a ladder, just kind of electrified, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro. Well, let's hope you make it to the hydro. Jeez, oh, man. Yeah, I know, honestly. Either that, I've been in jail for killing Man of Them, you know what I mean? <laughs> hope this is the Man of Them podcast. You end up Netflix, like playing back. I'm going to kill the one apprentices. I getting interviewed like that. I, I was worried about Gary at that point. I knew there was something uh, happening. I could, I could tell with his, his rage. I think the guy stuck the mask and taped his back. What they done to me on Friday, mate? The fucking. I left my. my Stupidly left my van open, mate. I've got a van. Did mm-hmm. it work? And uh, and I just obviously I was in like Dalkeith in Edinburgh, so there's no there's no cunt's going to break into a van in Dalkeith, mate, because they're all too busy walking with fucking golden dogs, you know what I mean? It's like pure, it's like Richie Richie's family, you know what I mean? And uh, I left the van open, mate, bounced in the van, shut the door, mate, and the the, the, the worst smell I've ever smelt in my life, mate, pure shite, like pure sewage and shite mixed in. I was burst out the van gagging, they're all laughing. What they had done was they had sellotaped a stink bomb to the, the bottom inside of my oh. door. I didn't shut. So when I bounced in the van, slammed the door shut, I smashed the stink bomb. And uh, so wee things like that, you just, 
I'm quick to it, mate. I'm, I'm getting quick. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm an ex-soldier, mate. I can inflict pain on these boys that have never had in their lives. I'll start waterboarding somebody soon. You know what I mean? I'll get them on the road. There's no limits to me, mate. I'm, I'm evil, you know what I mean? Like, dog eat dog, innit? A dog eat dog, mate. Listen, my ma gave me a fright five years ago, mate. And I'm still getting a frights to this day. <laughs> Oh, tremendous! Right, let's <laughs> let's get back to semi-serious. <laughs> the thing that I, the thing that I was wanting to ask you, and a few people I'd said to you obviously before we started, a few people had messaged me saying, "Oh, Gary Falls would be brilliant, get him on." And it was it was people who were wanting to get started in comedy, and they didn't really know where to go or, or how to go about it. So, see, see from your point of view. What what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe thinking about it or sitting in that position of getting a bit of traction online about getting into it? What would you say to them? Well, there's there's no much you can't go to any club gigs in there. So mm-hmm. in the meantime, I would tell somebody to to write down as much material as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, either physically write it or get it on a, a word document, a computer. Just mm-hmm. write things that you think are funny and, and just keep a, a constant note of that. Um, obviously, the standard then like kind of be open spot gigs, but. Hopefully the kids go back soon. But what I would recommend somebody today is going to do a course in comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a comedian called Viv G and, and John O'Brien. Both run different courses in Glasgow. Um, and what you what you do in that course, you take a material to the course, they tell you they teach you how to tell stand up, mm-hmm. how to be a comedian, how to your stagecraft and and I wish I had done that. See when I had started I learned the hard way. So mm-hmm. I learned to be dying in my hole and having shite gigs and um, but I would definitely recommend to anybody like if you can get an online comedy course, go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of the, like Viv G's course, what she does is is like it's five weeks every Wednesday night. Right. You do you do four weeks where you learn to write your jokes, how to structure a joke, because mm-hmm. it's, it's not like when you write a Facebook status. Um, there's there's ways of telling jokes. Yeah. And then at the end of the course, the day a gig to other family and friends, right. and it just pops that cherry like the pure fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd recommend that, but. Right now, during COVID, I'd be writing down as much as you can, just writing everything down, everything you think's funny, or, and just keep cataloguing it. And mm-hmm. I still do that to this day. I probably, I probably write about fucking a thousand words a day. Like it's just like so when I read the papers every day, mm-hmm. um, I pick three or four stories, mm-hmm. and I will just write jokes about them. And and if they surface again, I don't know. Um, but if my Mac went me, I'd be fucked because everything's on that. You know what I mean? I just like your material. Because a lot of the papers are great. Go and buy, go and buy three papers, four papers, and just make sure it's papers that it doesn't need to be politically aligned to you. Like I buy the Sun, mm-hmm. um, I buy the Record, I buy the Times, I buy the National. So I don't just buy one left organisation paper aye, or one aye. right. You know what I mean? I just buy. You, you want as much knowledge as you can get, and and that's a great way to do it. Because you can see two of the same stories with different different articles, different fucking ways of putting that across. And that's healthy as well, isn't it? Because you're getting an idea for mm-hmm. everybody, not just yeah, yeah. the one side of society. No, definitely. But buy newspapers, write a joke down every day, or, or write a story down every day, and write about your granny getting fingered at the heart dancing, <laughs> I don't know, whatever's in your family's. I've got your fucked up family, mate, so I've probably got material to last me forever. Um, I think most people in Glasgow would be able to relate to that, to be fair. <laughs> and I'm not the. Everybody thinks you've got to be the funniest person ever. You've, you've no, you've got to be mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not a funny man at my group. I'm the man that's just fucking stupid, you know what I mean? I'm right. the man that's getting terrorised all the time. But, <laughs> but I've got my pal Gary Brady, 10 times further than me, mate. I'm telling you now, if you're on a stage, mate, you would crush it. Um, I've never encouraged him to be a comedian, just in case he does do that. <laughs> and the pub, mate, he's Jackie Lad, mate. He runs the roost, and we just all sit and watch him. And, and, uh, so you don't need to be the funniest person in the world. Comedy's great. Uh, there's a, there's a, a button stage for everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be a, a storyteller, and you can 
there's a guy, fucking Jim Smith, he plays a kazoo, and uh, he's been gone for about fucking 40 years, this guy's all this guy in comedy, like Frankie Boyle talks about him, mm-hmm. and Game Merns and Bridges are talking about him, he's a legendary psychopath. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do it to get fame or, or money, he Aye. just does it, because it's a great, it is a great thing, mate. Aye, just enjoys the, it. The, the gig's more addictive than the money, the money's great, and, and when you're in my position, no right now, but in a normal world, it's amazing to have their finances and it's a full-time job, but mm-hmm. just being on a stage and making people laugh, mate, there's something special about that. There's bigger payment than that. And I like to think it when I'm doing a club gig or I'm doing any gig, that maybe there's somebody in this room tonight that's had a right fucking horrendous yeah, time, right. somebody's died mm-hmm. or they're going through an illness, like, and this is their wee escape. Like, my, my stage, when I'm my show, you're not going to be sitting on your phone, so... Mm-hmm. Like between me and my support acts, it's a two-hour show, so these people are coming kind of a night out, they're having a wee escape for the world, and, and I like that, I like that a lot, that I can make people laugh for that length of time, and, and they can go away feeling a bit better, or mm-hmm. be able to escape to whatever they're going through. Aye, I suppose it's a, it's a, it's like a power as well for you to have, whether it's 20 people or 3,000 people all centred on you, and you're you're looking out and all you're seeing is, is happy, smiling faces, laughing, I mean that's... You can't buy that, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just one you of the things. Mate. Do you want me to tell you the worst part of the trade? You always look at the cunt, it's no smiling. <laughs> Telling you, mate. I'm a dillo, mate. 3,000 people. I could have taken my eyes off a woman that absolutely hated me, mate. Honestly, you think I'd jump off the stage and shot in a puss, mate? I'm no kidding. <laughs> she just grilled at me the whole gig and I just couldn't take I couldn't take my eyes off her. And, uh, and that, that happens a lot. You're a lot of comedians, mate. Every comedian that happens to you. can be there in a room. It's like social media, mate. I struggle with social media. I mean, and I could do a video, like the old firm video, mate, mm-hmm. I got heavy heat. Um, and you, you could have, like, fucking 7,000 people going, oh, mate, I love this video, best video ever. And you have one guy laughing, just like, this is absolute shit. This guy should stop doing comedy, like, and that's the one that sticks, mate. That's the one that sticks right in your fucking heat. Well, that's what I was um, going to ask you, obviously. That, that, was, that was the next thing I was going to come on to, obviously, with, with social media. There is massive positives with it sometimes, but I know from, from following you and being on your pages... There is an element of fucking morons as well. And how how do you balance that yourself? What's your kind of coping mechanism with that? None, mate. I struggle with it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy the other day. I put a joke on me. It was the one with the one with the picture. My boss. I, I found a boss nest up the loft, and my boss is oh, sent us a picture. Of it, and I sent a picture in my face, like just smiling for a laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, He's like, because obviously he knows my pure idiot, so he's like, a fucking idiot. So actually, he didn't know I was kidding on, but Aye. I put it on Facebook and it, it's done about eight, nine thousand likes and mm-hmm. it's been seen with a million people. But there was this one guy just like fucking being pure horrible and he's like shy, unfunny, like uh, a wee bit mad in there. And I just commented and says, me, I don't know what you get for this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what you get for this, but you've made me feel negative. So that was your, your, your way of doing things and you've achieved it. Mm-hmm. And and I had a kind of back and forward with the guy, and people were always sick to put in and all that. People who always support me, mm-hmm. they want me to do the best. But I don't, I don't put stuff on Facebook to to make myself feel better. There's a bigger picture. Like I do it to make people laugh. But I've no, I've not got a fucking what would you call that? I've not got an opinion on Facebook. Aye. I'm not going on Facebook saying toys are off cuts because they feed wains or SFP are cuts because they feed wains. Like I, I just put stuff on as jokes. I don't get political. I don't can offend people like but there's always just some negative troll and the way I like to think it mate it's hurting people hurt people so that person's obviously going through something so I try not to take it to a personally and attack mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to hold my, my water a wee bit, but sometimes I just can't help it, mate, because I'm only human. I'm no perfect. Aye, that's it. Aye, yeah, and I think it then goes back to what, what you were saying about, obviously, people that come to your gigs. I mean, you could put something on, but you could be having a shite day. Do you know what I mean? And it, it just takes that one comment to kind of throw, throw you off your course. Do you know what I mean? And it happens, mate. I could be sitting in my work and I'll see something horrible. Mm-hmm. Come a fat cunt or something. No. If somebody said that to a new life, I'd be like, oh, shut up, mate. And I would laugh at half and walk away. But for some reason, mate, I just kind of take my, my, my mind off it and I, I fixate on it. It ruins my fucking day, mate. Like, no, I generally sit in my work and be feeling pure anxious and been having a, a great day as well. Aye, it's mental. Yeah. I just don't understand why somebody would want to waste their energy replying to something that they don't like. It's, it just fucking absolutely fries my brain that you would you take the time to do it just to be negative about it. Especially when it's somebody you know who's going to see it. Maybe Aye. I see everything and I honestly I reply to everybody a lot of times. And uh, and it put me after my videos. I had not done my videos there properly for ages. Mm-hmm. I completely stopped doing them. I was doing like one a month or even that. Um, one a month for a push. And it, it got to the point where I was like, do you know what? I just need to fucking keep punching out these videos. and Because and, it's, it is about sales, but mm-hmm. it's also about getting a wee bit of fun in the city and a wee bit of daftness during all this fucking madness. Aye. And do you, see when you were only doing it, were you getting people messaging, asking why you were only doing it? Uh, not really, mate, no. no. People had commented like, oh, we need to get back out the videos, but there wasn't anybody saying you're a writer. Aye. It's, uh, people just assume that because you're a comedian, you're stronger than anybody else. Definitely. People message me about their mental health and they'll be like, oh, I wish I was like you. And I'll, I'll, obviously, if I see somebody saying I'm suicidal, I'll quite rapidly try and get them in contact with somebody mm-hmm. and run a charity that way. But a lot of times I've lied to the person, listen to me, I don't know what the fuck you think I'm just some sort of strong human. Like, I'm lying in my bed having a panic attack, you know, Aye. thinking about you, like, going Aye. to put this number. Stop talking to me. Aye, exactly. <laughs> I like to make sure you're all right. But then I suppose that then goes back to the people have got these ideas that. You're, you're sitting in a house, big strong person, fucking millions of money in the bank, no worries in the world, which mm. it just doesn't work like that. The, the picture that people have in their head isn't the reality for, for most of these these people. And I think that's because of because social media. Like, I'm going through a <laughs> process now where I'm, I'm going to delete a lot of things. So I'm going to delete maybe Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I deleted Snapchat. I'm going to delete TikTok. Like, I just want to limit my time on it. I love Facebook. And I like Facebook because you can connect with everybody personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I've I've definitely in a season in my life now, like my marriage has completely broke up and it still is completely broke up, like mm-hmm. we just completely fell apart and I took my feet off the gas and, and let it down the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm fighting to get my marriage back and it's like I need to undistract myself. Like I need to stop being distracted with Twitter and, and fighting about people's comments on Instagram and Aye. it's just a fakeness about it, mate. So this is a lot of day with what I was saying last year when I was like, I'm maybe gonna take a wee back seat to comedy and just do a couple of gigs a year and and I definitely feel like that is going to be the bit. I mean, if I get massive, a bit massive than I'm, mm-hmm. it's not going to affect how I'm feeling. Like, my family's so important, and it's it's time now where I put them first. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of my life putting comedy first and, and putting selling out shows first, and no. I lost everything, mate. Like, I've literally fucking. I'm very lucky, mate. I'm still grounded because I think if I wasn't grounded, I'd be more concerned about the social media likes and the mm-hmm. shares and the. And being famous, and honestly, mate, I couldn't give a fuck about it. Like, I like the idea that I can do my anxiety stuff and it hits people. Yeah. And, and helps people, you know what I mean? More than I like selling out a show. Like, that's, that's gone. I've done it. I've done it. The Amadillo was a goal that I had brought. I read The Secret a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I've brought doing the Amadillo, and even my wife was like, you're going to have your fucking head going write something realistic. Mm-hmm. And she, she didn't mean it in a sense that you're going to ever achieve that. She was like, 
that probably not happen. Yeah, <laughs> probably did mean that actually, mate, when they made a think about it. But I done it, and it was like the top goal. So obviously, one of the first two goals in my my secret thing was like be a good dad, be a good husband, and mm-hmm. I neglected that for the big goal. Mm-hmm. So. And now I've done the big goal. I need to put my family as the big goal now and, and make sure that that always stays a goal. Yeah. Um, so that's why I used to gig all year long. Mm-hmm. I've cut my gigs down eight, eight weeks now next year. And then the year after that, I'll be four weeks, two weeks, and then I'll be just there hydro. And then um, just sit back. I'll always go on Facebook and do my videos. Aye. I love doing that. Aye. But just have that interaction. Nights out and all that. My wife's in the house and I'm out getting fucking smashed in Aberdeen. And no coming home for three days, you know what I mean? Like that behaviour's got to go. And, I've got to kind of be a sounder person. No, it's but a balance, isn't it? I, I'll no, I'll no bullshit anybody and go, oh, I'm a great husband, I'm a great dad, like, mm. I'm a great dad, I'll admit that, like, mm-hmm. I love my wings and, and I've got that on, on heat, but I wasn't a great husband, mate. Me mm-hmm. and I split up, but on Tinder, met other lassies and moved on too quick and, and I'm accountable to that now. Yeah. I've got to think, fuck me, I need to crawl that. I need to... And my wife, she's, she's such a strong woman. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, fuck off, and there's a divorce, like, take care of them. And that scared me, mate. Yeah. So now I've got to gravel and, and fight for that back, and I'm, I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the main but, thing. You know what I mean? That, that's, that is, that's the priority. Fame, fame's a poison chalice, and I had I had wish sometimes that I just stuck to the comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I've, I've achieved great things. And see if I can do that, see if I can get the, the, the fame, the, the big gigs, and remain the... the because COVID's been great for me, mate, and I know it's been horrible to say that, and mm-hmm. people have died, but I've had so much reflection through COVID that yeah. I've had to change so much, and I've changed a lot. I've mm-hmm. changed a lot, a lot. I've come back to myself a wee bit, and I just hope that next year I can continue to do that, and I can maybe chat you in a year's time and say, oh, mate, my fucking marriage is brilliant, and yeah. we're back together, we've moved back in again, and I'm back in my veins. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens, mate, in it. But no, definitely, definitely like, I've learned a lot this year, and it's, it's, been, it's been great, and it's been bad, but mostly great. In, in the sense that you've got self-development. No, I, I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. And I don't doubt you'll do it. I really don't. Um, I think, obviously, anybody that's honest enough to admit they know where the, the fault's lying or try to fix them, that's, you've, you've got mm-hmm. to commend that. You've got to hold your hands up and say, to fair play. Um, Thank you, mate. I've, I'll throw this one out to you, but obviously, I appreciate you've no time to prep for it. So if you don't have anything, I'll absolutely be fine with it. Um, but everybody that comes on... Obviously, to try and keep this going, I'll always ask if they know anybody local who's fucking doing brilliant things, be it in anything, and they've got a story that's worth sharing if, if they've got a shout-out or somebody that we can get in touch with to get on. So if you've got anybody, that'd be brilliant. But obviously, if, if no, it's not it's no a bother, mate. I would... Does it need to be a celebrity or just No, anybody? no, anybody, mate. Anybody at all. I would maybe give Sharon at Royce and Youth Action a wee shout. Right. Um, Sean or Ryan at the mm. Glasgow Men's Mental Health Group. The boy mm-hmm. Ryan took care of the group for me. Right. Well, they, I was struggling with the group, and I was like, Ryan, he was the kind of the main guy. So mm-hmm. Ryan's took it on, and he's he's made it ten times better. Um, he's actually from Stirling, but he's he lives in Glasgow, and he runs the group. The right. group and Gluck. He runs fucking. I think about fucking Charlie Shaw. In fact, across the Gluck. He runs the group Springburn, mate, and he's he's done phenomenal things. He's made it accessible to women as well, and so definitely Ryan Coots, mate. Ryan's a great guy, and. I think his story we were fearing because mm-hmm. he's been through a, a lot and I've, I was with Ryan at the start when he started working on himself and he's an inspiration mate and he took that group off of me and just ran with himself and he's funded it and done great. Brilliant. Um, no, that's, that's he's, he, he's volunteering. He volunteers at Royce New Faction. Right. And Royce New Faction, Sharon there, they're just a phenomenal team, mate, a proper skiing community team mm-hmm. and they've done so much for all their local wins. 
Um, and, I, and I've seen it. I've been in the, the kind of mental health chat with them, and, and I think anybody that's involved in youth should be looking up to these people and kind of getting tips off them because they're absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They, they've just got a proper heart for the community, and there's nothing. There's no like they, they're not looking for funding all the time. They're no they're no begging lottery. They're just doing. They just get their head down and, and serve the community. So mm-hmm. I wish new faction and rank outs. Brilliant. We'll get in touch with both of them. Um, and mm-hmm. last one, obviously, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll end with a bit of humour. What's the what's the worst heckle you've had? What's the time where somebody in the audience has just done you completely? Worst time I've had talking to some belters. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to get the stand. Oh, what was the guy say? It was a kid's game done, man. I was going to actually jab the win. I was going to just fall scale bunch him. So about 10. Um, I said something. The big guy had tackled us, mate, and I was like... I, I can't, I can't remember it, but it was, I was on the lines. I went, I went full scale rogue, and I was like, "Wee man, I'll be your, I'll be your next star." And he went, "You won't be my next star." And I says, "How no?" He said, "Cause my man's not done a woman fatty." And it was just, <laughs> it was a wee guy put down me, stupid wee ten year old voice, mate, just fucking. And I, I was like, "I'm done with this," and I just walked off the stage, dropped the mic. I think I should have pumped your more or something like it's the standard they like, but uh, fuck him, mate. Be asshole, this probably a serial killer or something. <laughs> He absolutely did as a belter. I done a gig, I done a gig in Berlin as well. I love the jail gigs, mate. Jail gigs Aye. are phenomenal, and uh, it's funny because you think a jail gig's going to be fucking wild, and you think they're <laughs> going to like eat you and shag you or something, but they don't. They're very pleasant, collective. <laughs> it's weird, mate. It's an absolute weird environment. So you get all the common prisoners, like your car breakers. Obviously, they're, they're criminals and, mm-hmm. and they've been punished. But the, the daily gigs every year at Christmas time because right. obviously the, the, people go why are you prison gigs that's not fair that's terrible they get free comedy but they're really doing it for the prison officers because mm-hmm. at Christmas time all these guys or women are all absolutely fucking irate and they're missing their families and, and they take it out in the prison officers so Aye. they set up some, kind of some entertainment for them Christmas entertainment and it kind of keeps everybody happy if they're, if they're well behaved they get a ticket to the gig and so there's great incentive to it and, mm-hmm. and I believe that there should be a system that should be breaking the offending cycle um, my dad, it's funny, mate. I'm probably tell you this quickly, but my, my real dad, I've never met, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to meet him next week for the first time in my life. Wow. Um, done a bank robbery and go in 14 years. So next next week, obviously, my, my stepdad had brought me up. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my brother, my biological brother, had gone to contact me and says, Listen, can you want to meet your dad? Um, so I've always known that my dad was in the prison for a long time, but mm-hmm. a wee boy, but I didn't know who he was. And, so I've got a kind of heart for that stuff, so mm-hmm. that can I break that re-effect? Because I was obviously the, the child, the a prisoner. Yeah. Um, and I never got to have a dad because my dad was a fucking nutcase and, mm-hmm. and broke the law and, and deservedly so, got a sentence for it. Mm-hmm. So I did these jail gigs, mate. I absolutely love it. I used to dare him and think, what if I meet my dad? I don't know if he's still in the jail or no. <laughs> it turns out he's not. He's in a fucking fife or something. That's probably worse than the jail. But <laughs> i done this gig in Berlin and the prison officer came up to me and he says, right, big man, there's fucking two guys in the front row, they're the kind of Dracula lads, they're very, very serious criminals. Mm-hmm. If they heckle you, don't heckle them. And uh, and I was like, no bother, mate, I don't see it. And, like, fucking... So I'm up on the stage, mate, and the big guns heckled me, didn't he? Like, fucking... He looked like he'd been slashed with one of the... See the things you pull the leaf? See, like, the leaf things? <laughs> Aye. Like the rake? What did you call that? Like a rake? <laughs> he looked like he'd been slashed with a rake, mate. Fucking, there's scars that I've ever seen, mate. It's something like Halloween, you know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, 
and he, he heckled me, and I was like, you fucking talk to that. Sorry, we did. I'm like, proud as fuck, big man. They're all buzzing. I mean, I've heckled the fucking two hardest guys in the jail. And um, and the guys that I'm talking to, you know that? And I'm like, well, fucking hell. When you get out, mate, as if I was going to fight with And he's like, five years. And I say, we'll see you for the next five years. All you've got to know is how about that side that jail, drinking pints, eating KFC and shagging your missus, right? <laughs> and the whole fucking, the whole place, mate. Screws are all like, calm down, calm down, sit down. They're all like, fucking yeah. <laughs> this guy was sitting absolutely fuming, right? And then his pal heckled me. And I went, when you getting it? He went, three weeks, mate. And I'm like, him, you are a gobble. <laughs> absolutely shat myself. <laughs> I was like, me and you can go and shag his missus, mate, the follow KFC. <laughs> But that that would be the, the, the worst times, mate. Because even though I was replying back to again, having a laugh at me, I was fucking shaking. <laughs> Full fear. I, I was actually holding the mic and physically shaking. <laughs> um, mental, mate. But the gym gigs are brilliant, you know what I mean? That's it, a baptism of fire, isn't it? I mean, you dig the nook, and sometimes we'll get half the rooms the women prisoners and half the rooms the guy prisoners. Right. And this big fucking mental case woman, you know, fucking just like. A bun, so you're like a junkie bun, or mm-hmm. the fuck, I hate saying the word junkie, mate. Like an addict bun, we right. call it now. Um, we're like a skinhead, she just looked like a fucking something American horror story. <laughs> and uh, she's just started getting as pure dogs abuse. What, before you'd and even I started? Look... <laughs> no, this is where I'm on stage. She just started giving me pure cheek. She's like, I've been in here 10 years and I've still been to shag you. <laughs> it was fucking, <laughs> mate, it was funny, though. I mean, she was fucking rapid, mate, and I just, I couldn't get by the witch. And, uh, what was it I said? I went fucking. So the women were wearing like blue jumpers mm-hmm. and the guys were wearing red jumpers. And I was like, ah, should you know we're wearing a red jumper, mate? Because you're a bit fucking manly looking to be sitting with the woman, you know what I mean? So I was just, mate, and I just couldn't get by her, mate. She's like, should you know be sitting with the woman, you fucking pussy? Oh, <laughs> go, oh, mate, she was, she was rapid, mate, and it got to the point where I just gave up. And I was like, right, she's funnier. And she got a round of applause, mate, and I walked off stage. Um, <laughs> but the jails are brilliant because what, what happens is, is, Obviously, it's normally Christmas time, and what the days if, if they're well behaved, they get a gig and they get a curry. They get a mm-hmm. curry anyway, but right. it's just a fucking shitty jail curry. It's not like they're not getting popper dumps, <laughs> mango chutney, not like <laughs> 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 getting lizard and fucking snake eyes, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but they get some sort of watery curry, and then they get a comedy show. So the spirits are good, mate, they're sober. Um, and what I try and do is I try and do a lot of new material because see if it lands well in a jail, mate, mm-hmm. and it's always worked. If I take if I take a joke that's fucking smashed it in a jail, I'll put it in a comedy club, mate, and the place in a pure up bro. Because it's on drunk people now, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And the sober fucking serial killers have loved it. <laughs> um, but it's mental, mate. Uh, I took my agent, my Dun Greenock, and uh, the the one of the main screws of the prison officers, call them screws if you're an head. Screws is a term they get used, but prison officers, so people listen like the fuck's a screw, like <laughs> Do you talk about a joiner or something? A screw is what you call a prison officer. So the screw had said to me, Gary, listen, we're in the jail, we'll do the gig. I did it for nothing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're in the gig, we'll give you a tour of the prison. Now my agent's pure posh, mate. So we brought up a proper, like, Nobel Silver's that bit called, where the Turnox Tea Cakes places. Oddingston. Oddingston, mate, right? Proper, proper posh. David's all hearty, hearty. Talks like that, mate. It's fucking <laughs> big, it's a big cheese board, mate, right? And, uh, <laughs> I, I was mad with the night before, mate, and I was like, mate, go take me to this fucking prison, mate, I can't drive, I don't want to get to jail, obviously, being on my own, mate, I get in the press, I'm fucked, so he's like, right, I'll come and get you, and he took, takes me to jail, and he's like, oh my god, I don't know how you could actually go into a prison, like, I'd be terrified, and, and I'd managed to talk him into coming into the visit room, right. but I knew for a fact I was going to take him into jail, and then, um, 
So I was like, come ease, mate. He's like, no, 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 I, that's not my kind of thing. I don't like winning. I'm like, no, go and just come in because you need to sign a contract about me doing this gig. And he, so, mate, I fucking lied through my teeth to him. <laughs> I got him in the gig, mate, and I did a search for this and all that and gave us a pass, taking my phones off and put him in a locker. And uh, I could see him puzzling, but I just kept talking to the guys, the guy who was walking into the gym. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't get a chance to say to the guy, oh, I'm just here to sign a contract and I'll get away. So I nipped the guy's head. And then all of a sudden, mate, we're standing in the middle of the exercise yard. And David's looking about and he's like, oh, is, is this uh, part of the prison? And the guy's like, aye, aye, mate, you're in the exercise yard. And then all the, the, all the cons came out with their footballs ready to play five oh, a side. Oh, brilliant. Um, but we were in the hall, mate. We were in one of the halls in Dunock. And I, I was just fucking... I'm a, mate, I'm a pure sponge for information. So I'm in this year and I'm asking the guy, oh, but what's... Have you ever seen uh, any of the cons try to shag you, big man? And fucking just asking the guy pure stupid questions. And before that, the guy had says, listen, we'll need to be quick in here because the cons come back for the lunch at 12.30. So I'm asking all these daft questions and I can see David looking at his watch. So I've looked at my watch and it's like 12 fucking 24. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> going to keep asking this guy questions so I can see all the prisoners, you know what I mean? So I fucking, so they took us into the, so I spoke and they were all coming in and out and the guys like, we'll go into the, the cook house to let the majority of the prisoners come by because obviously we're two civilians and they're worried about us. So they've took us into the, 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 the caffeine where they're all sitting, the canteen, sorry, caffeine, the canteen where they're all sitting getting their dinner. And there's, there's a wee addict serving the food. And he's like, oh my God, man, here's that man, Gary Falls. <laughs> and they're all, uh, all turned in the rock platform, oh, Gary Falls. And did you let a fucking fat Johnny Cash mate? Like, that was happening, boys, not that. And, uh, and the screw had said to me, Guy, how the fuck do you know who Gary Falls is? You've been in here for four years, right? <laughs> so we found that the wee guy had a phone in the jail or something. The guy's like, I need to search him. He should know who you are. <laughs> so obviously they've all got phones in the jail. <laughs> the wee guy stuck himself in. Oh, man. And, uh, the fight broke out. A fight broke out in the hall. And they looked as in a fucking... And they like, the hairdresser. They've got a hairdresser started at the jail. Right. Because they do all different things. Like, barbers, hairdressers. Like, and they, they just looked as in this room. And, and David stood and pointed in my face, shouting and bawling at me, like, I don't know what to come in this prison. I don't know what to be in this environment. It's very, very dangerous. <laughs> and we can hear two guys outside getting club fucking half his screw, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, all right, mate, we're all right. <laughs> you hear people screaming, running by the hall. <laughs> he's never kept a gig with me since. Um, but no I, thought getting, I thought my contract was getting ripped up after that. I thought he was raging. It was actually pale white. Because I'm starting to try to cheer him up. Like, oh, there's a fucking, there's a rich magazine. I've never seen my beard. You know I mean? <laughs> and you can hear the guy outside get club fucking. And he's like, that man's got that. You're part of this. I'm like, mate, you're not going to get kept in the jail. <laughs> oh, tremendous. Honestly, mate, but I, you sub boy, man. Oh, you was not this and you fucking get flashbacks. <laughs> um, oh, man. I love how we started off at a wee 10 year old there in a comedy club to, to be in a prison. That's what happens, mate. What's that? About 20 minutes of chatting, that's what I did at gigs, mate. Fucking. <laughs> told me why I punched. It's funny that, isn't it? I want to lamp a 10 year old and end up the jail. Talk about jail. Oh, no kidding, mate. mate. I would have cracked up, you guys. You have you guys for a mate. You know, just got bitch slapped. I'm like, oh, sorry, I've tracked my mic. Honestly, mate. I can't remember what he says, mate, but it was. I was that raging, mate. I couldn't think. I couldn't process in my head what he'd said to me. But it was like. You wouldn't, you wouldn't pop mama because she's not a dinner woman. It was something horrible. You stupid wee fucking neddy to your voice. Um, the red mist has just come down. Where are you, Faye? You're <laughs> <laughs> getting that pure gang way. I'm just saying, what do we do? Come on, just go. <laughs> but, uh, aye. We oh, dick. 
tremendous. Gary, I can't, that's been a new on 10 minutes. I cannot believe that, honestly. <laughs> oh, so good, mate. I honestly cannot thank you enough for coming on. I know you're a busy man. Um, Anytime, mate. Listen, when you get a chat next year, so I'm actually my marriage is worked out, I know. Of course it will. Of course it will. I've no doubts, <laughs> mate. I fucking hope it does, mate. I've no doubts at all. And obviously, when the comedy starts back up, you'll be back smashing it. No doubts about it at all. I think you're obviously, your honesty's brilliant. And I think that's why you've got so many people who follow you, so many people rooting for you. And just keep being you, mate. Honest to God, I think you're Thank you're you absolutely go. smashing it. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely get a follow-up next year when you're counting your millions. I look forward to it, mate. Millions. Right. <laughs> I'll find that wee guy and we'll get the follow-up interview with him on it as well. Uh, and Berlin, that's what he is, we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, all the best. Thank you very much again. Have a great night, bro. Cheers, best. mate. Take care, Take care all right. Bye bye. Cheers, bye bye.